my object lesson of the day. A penny. My penny. Penny for your thoughts. Penny for your thoughts. You got thoughts. the right person. Oh. <laughs> 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 you know. Didn't bother looking up where that came from, but I, I wonder where that came from. And I think about a penny for my thoughts. There's another phrase called talk is cheap. You heard that before? Talk is cheap. Now, I could be referring to a album by Keith Richards. If you don't know who that is, he's with the Rolling Stones. I could be referring to a uh, song that came out, I think, last year by Alan Jackson. It's actually a pretty good song, country music song. Uh, somebody said, talk is cheap, except when Congress is speaking. Uh, so, you know, and then, of course, we think about campaign promises, and so maybe talk is cheap there as well. But what, what does it mean? You know, somebody else, Margaret Miller, who's an author, had said that most conversations are simply dialogues delivered in the presence of a witness. Think about that for a minute. Most conversations are really just dialogues presented. Most are monologues delivered in the presence of a witness. But think about that for a minute. How many of your daily conversations are really worth something? Or are they really cheap? Does anybody listen to anybody else these days? <laughs> yeah, it's it. It's really easy to talk about something, but it's a lot harder to do it, isn't it? And that maybe that's where that came from, where the expression of talk is cheap. You know, what what are words? Think of other expressions. Uh, words can be made visible. By our money. Put your money where your mouth is. Another phrase. Uh, or they can be assisted by our actions. I can't hear what you're saying because I see how you're living. And think about it. Words are only worth one one thousandth of what a picture is worth. <laughs> right? You can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? Exactly. How much confidence do we have in words? I mean, really, as a society, probably not much. How skeptical are you of the advertisements you might hear on the radio or on TV, in the commercials? Everyone has an angle, and you can't believe anyone fully. You can't trust anything you read on the internet. Except, and it kind of brings to mind one of the advertisements that actually makes fun of people who believe the stuff on the internet. But that attitude seems so natural to us today to be so skeptical that talk is cheap. But it's a problem because biblical faith is based on hearing God's word and responding to it in trust. I'm sorry, I'm smelling the, the food smells so good. 
and uh, reminds me of a quote by Napoleon that says, uh, an army marches on its stomach, given, attributed to Napoleon. But you think about that and compare that with what Christ said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. So the focus is on words and trusting in words. You know, we know that words proceeding out of some mouths can be pretty worthless. But the words God speaks define us. And as we hear them and either obey them or ignore them. And which one of these we do depends on where we stand in our relationship with God. Do you really trust Him? Do you really practice day by day, no matter what we do here on Sundays? Do we really trust Him or do we tend to ignore at least some of His words? We're continuing a look at Joshua. We looked at at Joshua uh, chapters 2 through 5 last time. And my original intention was to try to look at chapters 6 through 12. But when I started getting into it, I realized I needed to slow down just a little bit. So we're going to look at just chapter 6. You know, chapters through chapters 2 through 5 were all in preparation to take in the promised land. Chapter 6 is the conquest of Jericho. And so if you would go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 6, And you can follow along. I'm not going to read it uh, completely, but just kind of give a a summary overview as I work through it. At the end of chapter 5, really around verse 13, we read about Joshua's encounter with the commander of the Lord's army, standing with sword in hand. You know, at, at, at some point there was a flash of revelation and Joshua knew he was in the presence of God really an angelic presentation of the Lord. He tells Joshua that he's there and encourages Joshua to take the city of Jericho. Now, one thing of significance, Joshua understands the significance of the drawn sword that the Lord is going to stand for and fight for Israel. You see, Joshua had anticipated a battle between opposing armies, the Israelite army and the Canaanite army. He thought this was to be his war and he was going to be the general in charge. But then he was confronted by the divine commander and learned that the battle was the Lord's. How comforting. Think of how comforting this must have been. What a relief to know that the battle wasn't Joshua's or the Israelites, but the battle was the Lord's. Now he didn't have to bear the heavy burden and responsibility of leadership alone. In a sense, by removing his sandals, he was gladly acknowledging that the battle, the entire conquest of Canaan, was God's conflict. And he was merely God's servant in all of this. Now, so chapter 6, this is the story of the children walking around the walls of Jericho. 
the walls fallen, Jericho being taken. And as we talked about the last time, looking at Rahab, Rahab being spared. Next time I speak, I'm going to cover, try to cover the chapters 7 through 12. And, and the reason is, is that that's this whole group in 6 through 12 kind of takes a, a focus of trusting in God. And so the theme, the theme that I'm looking at is uh, there's, there's four levels of trust in all these chapters. One of them is trusting God in the hard things, which we're going to look at today in chapter 6. Then there's an aspect of trusting God in the easy things. There's trusting God in areas of personal failure and trusting God, really just trusting God's character. But the only one that I'm going to look at today is trusting God in the hard things. And we'll take up the rest a little bit later. How many of you battle with traffic here in Raleigh? Yes. I mean, to, the traffic seems to be getting worse and worse, if not every day, at least every month. I mean, I have to uh, listen to the radio and decide which route I'm going to take to work. Am I going to take one route, go 540? Am I going to take the Beltline? Am I going to take uh, a route through residential residential area to get to where I'm going? Traffic. That's what we think about when we're trying to decide where we're going, isn't it? How do I get there? But you know, the children of Israel, they faced a much greater problem uh, in getting where they wanted to go than slow-moving traffic. A much greater problem. Right in the middle of where God was calling them to go, in the middle of the plain, which was the entrance to Canaan, the entrance to the promised land, was the city of Jericho. Now, we've already talked about how Jericho was not just some mere village, some unprotected town, but a strong, walled city. I mean, it was an economically important city, very well fortified. And and I'm sure the Israelites thought, many of them thought, taking this is how we enter the promised land? There must be another way in. We could go down the down to the edge of the plain and just kind of circumvent around the city. You know, they probably had some difficulty believing they would actually be able to take this city, this fortified city. Remember, they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And the walls of Jericho must have seemed impenetrable, invincible to them. But this is where God told them to begin. Joshua 6.2 And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Yahweh is already asserting the victory, the fall of Jericho, even before it happened. However, there is a call to obedience. You see, victory, victory is always by the Lord's hand. Victory is always by God's power. And we should expect it 
and expect it to be something that goes beyond our own strength, beyond our own abilities. Joshua was called to see with eyes of faith and to envision Jericho was already destroyed. I mean, over and over again in the New Testament, we are assured of our own triumph over sin and over Satan. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumph, in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere out of 2 Corinthians. But to make it clear that the victory was going to be the Lord's, he instructed them not to use any weapons in the initial taking of the city. Just as he had delivered them from Egypt up through the Red Sea, had brought them over the Jordan, what God was doing was making it clear who was fighting this war, who was giving the victory. And he was saying, you should have faith to move out and take the city because of God's word. Talk is not cheap when it comes to God. You should have faith in God's promise because God will accomplish it just as he did at the Red Sea 40 years ago. Now, part of chapter 6, we see the children of Israel walking around the sea for seven days. And on the seventh day, of course, they marched around seven times. And finally, Joshua shouts and commands the people to shout. He says, shout for the Lord has given you the city. So it was God who had promised and God who would provide. You know, no matter how difficult the situation may have seemed as they confronted this city, God himself would lead them even as they were daily circling the city. Notice here in chapter 6 who and what was circling the city. First came the armed guard marching under the tribal banners. Then the seven priests with the trumpets. Well, pause just for a minute and talk about the trumpets. What's the significance of them even mentioning the trumpets here? Well, the trumpets were actually referred to as the Jubilee trumpets. And they were used in connection with Israel's solemn feast to proclaim the presence of God in their midst. So the trumpets blaring were declaring that the Lord of heaven and earth was weaving his way around that doomed city. Next, after the trumpets and the priest came the ark itself, the ark of the covenant. The very words of God in physical form was in their midst. God would make sure this hard thing was his work done for his glory. You see, the Ark of the Covenant was the visible symbol of the Lord's presence with them as their leader and commander. That was a visible presence. And yet we today have the promise of Christ where he tells us, Behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. This is to be realized through 
faith, we're to act in full assurance that the captain of our salvation is already with us. So each day they marched silently around the city with the priests carrying the trumpets, blowing the trumpets. And of course on the seventh day they marched around seven times, blew the trumpets and the people shouted. You know, this procedure was never used again with other cities. But what it does teach, what it did teach the people of Israel, and really teaches the people of all ages, is something important. That although we have a human responsibility in tearing down strongholds, in tearing down strongholds raised up against God, the victory is not dependent upon us, but wholly upon God. Yet we must move out in faith and follow his commands. So it was by faith, not by force, that the walls of Jericho fell. You know, the ancient Israelites were called to move out in trust. And we're called to move out in trust as well. Even in the midst of hard times. I mean, they this was hard for them. What about hard times for us? Do we ever, do any of you ever experience hard times? Everything is easy, right? Life is looked at through rose-colored glasses. Right? Life is easy. Pretty much. Do you think that... Do you ever struggle with going through a hard time and the hard time diminishing your view of the power of God? You know, it seems to be a struggle that some Christians go through. We start having a harder time hearing God the harder the situation is. When our circumstances seem large, sometimes God seems small. But like the children of Israel, before Jericho, we have to move out on the basis of God's promises even in the face of difficulties that seem to stand in our way and seem to stand in our way of what God is calling us to. For example, does God call us to give sacrificially? Does God call us to give our time and our money for His work, for His purposes? Yes. Can it be difficult? Yes. But does God still call us to do it? Yes. Does God call us as a church to continue in this place despite the difficulties that we face? I think that answer is yes. Is it difficult? Yes. Does He call us to do it? Yes. Will He supply our need? Yes. Does God call us to understand the truth about the death of Christ, to discern false teaching 
from to discern truth from false, to understand what it really means to be a Christian, to understand how we are supposed to publicly commit ourselves to one another as Christians. Does God call us to do that? Yes. Is it difficult? Yes. Will he supply our needs to do this? Yes. Does God call us to be united as a congregation, to be united in thoughts, to be united in purpose, to be united in love, to be united in willingness to give time to help out in the life of the church in the midst of busy schedules? Yes. Is it difficult? Yes. But do we have the promise that God will supply our need? Yes. Does God call us to move out and trust in His promises every day in faith, trusting, even though things are difficult, even though times are hard, even in times of loss, in times of stress, in times of pain, when we're tempted to worry, when we are tempted to be bitter, does God call us to trust Him in all of these situations? Yes. Will He supply our need in all of these times? Yes. Does God call us to make it a priority to share the good news with people who don't know the Savior's love? Who don't know about the forgiveness of sins through Christ? Yes. Can this be difficult? Yes. Sometimes more so to share with family than with friends or acquaintances. Yes. It can be difficult. But He still calls us to do it and He will supply our need as we obey Him and move out in faith. Does God call us to be continually repenting of our own sins and continually believing in the good news of Jesus Christ. Yes. You know, every Christian knows that it can be difficult to repent of sins. But God calls us to do that on a daily basis. You know, we don't need to pretend that everything God calls us to do is easy. When we shouldn't. You know, think about it. God isn't really glorified, I don't think, when we live the kind of Christian life that is well within our own means and ways and powers to do it. I think that our, our ease rarely brings glory to God. God calls His children to follow Him in difficult ways. You know, Spurgeon said, sometimes we get into the habit of shutting our eyes to difficulty. That will not do. Faith is not a fool. Faith does not shut her eyes to difficulty and then run headlong against a brick wall. Never. Faith sees the difficulty, surveys it all, and then she says, 
By my God, I will leap over a wall. And over the wall she goes. We open our eyes to see in the difficulties and see beyond them to God. We see how God is able to be trusted in things that are difficult. So no matter how big the difficulty, no matter how big, when we see it through the eyes of faith, the difficulty becomes small. God becomes large. The difficulty becomes weak. God becomes strong. As we rely on Him and learn what it means in practice to move out in God's promises. Imagine the faith that the Israelites had to exercise each day as they marched around Jericho. I mean, just think of how they must have looked. I mean, really how silly they must have looked. The attacking army to the invading army. And they're not really allowed to do anything. They're not allowed to take out their swords. They're not allowed to build... If you were attacking a city, you'd probably build battering rams or ladders, siege engines, uh, catapults. But they weren't allowed to build any of that. That wasn't the plan. That would have been the power of man. No military preparations at all. They're just going out and marching around the city. And the people aren't making a sound. The only sound is the blaring of the trumpets. Can you imagine the taunts from the city walls? It's probably a whole lot worse than the taunts of those French peas, Jean-Claude and Philippe, in uh, VeggieTales, Josh and the Big Wall. Yes, see, you know that one. They were doing a lot, probably not just dumping uh, slushies on top of them. Thank you. So here's the concrete army. They're walking around the city doing nothing. What? A huge act of faith that must have been to walk around the first day, go back to camp, get up the next morning. Joshua says, we're going to do the same thing again. By the next morning, by the third or fourth day, don't you think that it would kind of get worse and worse every day? Well, nothing happened the first day. Nothing happened the second day. Nothing happened the third day. Nothing happened the fourth day. And here, the people in Jericho, they're probably going, these people are really crazy. And probably some of the Israelites thought the same thing. This is ridiculous. But it was a huge act of faith to step out and obey God's command. They couldn't see any fruit from what they're doing. So think about that for a minute. How many times have you been called to step out in faith and you do it and you do it and you do it and yet you haven't seen any fruit well God still calls you to step out eventually there will be fruit what happened here well they there wasn't any signs of success for six 
days. And yet, the faith of the Israelites triumphed over their fear. It triumphed over ridicule and scorn. And it triumphed over impatience. Their faith triumphed. And it's the same way for us. We work. We wait. In faith. Too often, I think, we want immediate solutions. We want all of our needs met so we don't have to trust in God. We want to trust in our health. We want to trust in our bank accounts. We want to trust in our reputation or in our talent, our skills. We want to trust in our education. We want to trust in our own abilities. We don't want to trust in the Lord alone. But at the right time, God will help us. He will come to the aid when things are desperate. When we finally realize that we don't have the resources in our own strength to do what He's called us to do. He helps us when there is no hope elsewhere. Because of that, we have no doubt of who can do wonders and our faith in him grows there was a man uh, pastor during the time of the reformation in England by the name of John Jewell in a sermon on Joshua he exhorted his congregation he said this he said God is able to set stars and heavens out of course He's able to set the sun back and to make it stand, to stand still, to open the earth, to divide the sea, to make the dry rock, to yield water, to make the clouds, to give bread, to make children preach, to make a donkey speak, to make devils confess his holy name and say, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And with this same power, He blew down the walls of Jericho. And with his power, he beats down whatever hold is built up against God. We're to trust in God. Just like the children of Israel did when they were marching against Jericho. We're to trust in God for the hard things and move out on the promises of God. Trust in God in the hard times. Trust in God for the hard things and move out as He commands. Let's pray. Father, I think if we are honest with ourselves, There's times that we prefer simply hearing your word than doing it. We would rather be people who are simply given God's promises and given things than moving out in trust and faith. But Father, I pray you would help us to 
to see our weakness and yet see what you're calling us to. As we see our own weakness, help us to grow in our trust of you as you call us to do the hard things. You were rejected by the culture. You died on a cross and yet you rose again on the third day. You are the God who has shown strength through weakness. Look upon us in our weakness. Give us eyes to see your strength. Give us eyes to see that you are with us. You were going on before us in the hard things. Forgive us our pride when we think we can do it on our own. And give us a heavenly humility to trust in you. Give us the strength to follow where you lead. We ask this in your holy name. Thank you.